Welcome back to Division One Rejects. We're back in 2024 for the first episode of what is going to be a very fun year, a very awesome year, an amazing year. Every uh, adjective that you can throw in there, it's going to be it. Only the positive ones, though. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo. If this is your first time joining us, welcome in. If this is your 146th time joining us, that's what episode this is, then welcome back. Kyle Sheets, the All-American wide receiver from Slippery Rock, or... The Rock University. Uh, he joins me here shortly. Today's going to be a little bit of an abridged episode, just kind of making our way back into things. Excited about a lot of the guests we're going to have lined up here early for you in uh, 2024. But Kyle, a dude that certainly has the build, has the numbers, has the skills to, to play professionally. He's training right now to get a chance to talk to him all about that, about some of the uh, success that he has experienced down there in Pennsylvania in the PSAC. Great conversation with him coming up. But if you want to get to that right away, you want to get some of the other stuff we're going to talk about in the episode, timestamps, bottom of the episode. Uh, it'll be in the description on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Fast forward to any part of the conversation that you want to and then get the hell out of here. Or do it for me. Stick around for the entire episode. It's probably, like I said, this ain't going to be a long one, so you, you, you'll be all right. But otherwise, just me today in the studio. I'm going to be talking about week zero coming to D2 football. Kind of a big uh, news point there for the Division Two scene. The NCAA has... I don't know, this must be the time of year when the seasons wrap up that they come together and go through all these proposals that either get accepted or rejected. That one, coming to Division II football, we'll talk about the implications, what that means for the sport. Also, no automatic bids remaining for Division II. That hasn't been in place in years past. Uh, it was proposed that automatic bids for each conference would be put into play for playoff scenarios. That was rejected. We'll talk about that later on as well. We have the way too early D2 Top 10 for 2024 uh, going into this fall from Wayne Cavati, our guy that does a lot of great work for the NCAA. And then a little bit of talk on D3 playoff expansion, question marks. That's what it has in the, in the rundown here, question marks. And then we also will finish up on a Division three school leading the charge in NIL deals. Kind of a cool feature. Uh, shout out to D3 Direct. They put out a little bit of a tweet about that. We'll break that down, talk a little bit about what they're doing over at Pacific Lutheran. So stay tuned. You're going to learn something today. Hopefully you learn more than just something, but I'm excited about all that. But as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube if you aren't already. If you are, hello. Don't forget to subscribe. Otherwise, find us on all the social platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go tell a friend about us. Have that be your uh, good Samaritan act of the day. Go tell a friend about the pod, all right, before any of that comes around. Let's go to the first guest conversation, the only guest conversation with Kyle Sheets. Join the show tonight. The All-American wide receiver out of Slippery Rock. The man is 6'4", 220. He's going to hopefully draw some serious attention from, from some pro squads here very shortly. Kyle Sheets, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Why don't you, let's start this thing off before we get anything. Tell me about the meeting earlier tonight. We're talking about, before I hit the record button, uh, a little bit. Man, flashback a couple years. Did you think you'd be sitting down having a meeting with your dietician ahead of hopefully the NFL draft here? What the fuck? That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it was always a goal of mine, but to see it finally start to flourish and come to fruition is just cool. I mean, the dietitian, yeah. I mean, Terry Gersetti is who I'm working with, and he's doing a great job. Like, local guy, graduated from Slippery Rock, played football there. Sweet. I'm excited for this, this, this next step. What kind of questions do you come prepared with when you go meet with the dietitian? Is this the first meeting with them? Yeah, it was actually the guy that, like, catered the food, and then the dietitian also will host a meeting, so. Okay. I mean, I don't, I didn't ask any questions, but. Okay. They kind of gave us, like, 
a choice of meals and they're all good. The meals are good. Like we got fish, we got turkey, what, whatever you need, chicken. Hey, man. So yeah, it's a really a holistic job. deal. I mean, you talk about, and we'll get more into your kind of the draft prep and some of the things that go into that later, but obviously the physical training is a huge part of it, but you're going to be tested in so many other ways and your lifestyle, I'm sure as you've, obviously realized here very shortly changes a lot. And like I said, I use the word holistic because it is everything. It's not uh, one aspect of your life that can just be absent and be left out of this, this training and preparation. But we'll talk more about uh, that later on. Let's talk about this past year for you and the boys. Um, you know, I talked about coming out of high school. Could you have imagined the year that you had? It's been like these last three years for you as someone who I've seen you play a few times, but obviously I haven't caught all 50, whatever of your games, but seeing the stats and year by year, you being able to continue this climb and kind of it all comes together in, the, in this last year for you has got to feel pretty special, man. Obviously, maybe not the finish you guys wanted, but on a personal note to see that growth from yourself. Yeah, I mean, I was blessed to have coaches and teammates and mentors, really. Uh, some greats that came from Slippery Rock and Henry Litwin and Jermaine Wynn and those guys that kind of helped me get to where I ended up being at the end of my career. So without those guys and the help of everybody on the team throughout the years, like I, I would have never had a chance to be where I was this year. And that just that's just a big testament of, of our coaches putting us in the right position. Our, our linemen giving Braden time, Braden throwing a good ball. Oh yeah. Our receivers pulling uh, defensive backs away from me to get other, you know, matchups and things like that. So yeah, it was definitely a journey. I'm glad it, it happened here. Team guy, check it off the list. Um, we'll talk <laughs> about one of those teammates a little bit and the duo that you guys have uh, kind of exploded onto the scene with. And I say that the only team in the country uh, to have two wide receivers over uh, was it a thousand or eleven hundred yards? One of the two huge yeah, benchmarks. Yeah, saw it from your coach. That is a really cool stat, and I think the best thing about it um, between you and Cohen, at least from my understanding, both guys that came to the Rock fresh out of high school. Yes, he came with me twenty nineteen, and then he transferred. He went JUCO to Lackawanna. Okay, and I had texted him when he was leaving JUCO, and I said, "Hey, man, like it's." It's time to come home again, and the coaches got a hold of him, and then we were able to do what we did, and it was awesome. We That's talked special, about that all man. the time. That's special, and there's a lot of back and forth in the landscape of college football today and how it's shifted, and uh, a lot for the better and obviously some for the worse, but you know, for a coach, man, that is a hill to die on, the fact that you can say you got these guys that – you know, maybe the road did get a little bendy, but the way, the way they finished and, you know, we got these guys here and developed them. And that is a sticking point that every coach in the country wants to show recruits that you're going to come here, you're going to develop into a player that has a chance to play on Sundays or play on whatever the hell day the UFL is going to play on or, you know what I mean, to have that shot at the next yeah. level. But uh, that's got to pretty, be pretty sweet. How has uh, the growth been like, especially since he got back on campus after a little bit of a hiatus? Yeah, he, I mean, the coaches have been developing us, like you said, and it's it's them kind of giving the players the torch to help each other develop. You know, they'll they'll tell us things that we need to work, but at the end of the day, like we're gonna do what they say, and then we're gonna build on top of that with techniques that we've seen each other use and work. So, I mean, we built something pretty good here, and uh, there's I know there's guys coming up through that are gonna be better and. I'm excited to see them grow and hopefully be on the show and talk to you as well sometime. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I love it. Um, and, you know, talking about that a little bit, 
hell of a year this year for you guys. That is understatement of the century. Undefeated going to that PSAC championship. I, mean, I got to ask, man, the Golden Bears just had your number or what? I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, they're a good team. Yeah. We knew they were a good team, and no, we made mistakes. They capitalized on them. It's it's the game of football, and they're good. They're they're good teams all around. Their defense is good. Their special teams are good. Their offense is good. Like it was a good matchup going into the game, and some people come out on top, and others don't. Fair enough. Fair enough. What did you make on the other side of the whole hosting debacle in the playoffs? I mean, um, <clears throat> we heard from a lot of very disgruntled Kutztown people, you know, very rightfully so because of the whole way that their administration handled that situation. But from you guys on the other side of it, that had to just be a very interesting spot. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we were surprised too because after our, our tiffin game, we were, you know, like we were checking up on scores and we had yep. seen that Kutztown had won. And we were fully expecting to go there again. And then later that day it came out that, you know, we were going to host the game, which was, which was cool. You know, we weren't expecting it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting it to happen that way, but uh, we ended up hosting the game. Just wild. This is a wild, like week. This is a weird. Uh, <laughs> people are not, you know, it was, because some people got the result they wanted, but man, if that would have gone the other way, they probably would not have heard the end of that for years. Um, but stick on the PSAC a little bit. We had talked on this show a little while back, looking at the upcoming regional shifts taking place in the D2 football world that comes into play in 2025, I believe is the, uh, so not this season, but the next as uh, Conference Carolinas brings in football. But anyways, the, the PSAC tie-in is that, you know, this conference has a chance to dominate the new Super Region 1, and as it being reshaped here the PSAC shares it with the NE10 the MEC and the CIAA and much respect to all the coaches and players in those three other conferences if I were a betting man which I am not I would put the house on a PSAC team to come out of that region for the next five years yeah I mean the competition in the PSAC is it's uh it's something else like every team's good anyone can win on any given day so I can't speak on the other conferences. Like, I'm sure they're the same way. I yeah. can't say we've played too many teams like that, but I know here in the PSAC, like, things are tough. Absolutely. And that was a stark, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of realization for a Virginia Union team that got into the playoffs and people were very high mm -hmm. on had a really great regular season, and they show up against Kutztown, who, you know, people had counted out, uh, especially before – they beat you guys like they were being very counted out because of their start, the slow start to the year, and their offense having some struggles getting going. And Kutztown just dragged them across the field. And that was kind of, I think, a wake-up for a lot of people um, to realize that there are levels to this. And that it, just because it's D2 does not mean inside of D2 there aren't different levels to all of it. You've seen quite a few of them. But let's get back to talking about you, talking about the prep, uh, everything, and, and training, what that looks like for you right now. What have you learned from this process early on that maybe you didn't expect? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's really just, it's going to be a day by day thing. Like it's going to come with new challenges every day. Like, you know, whether it's just the, the weight training or the speed training or mobility or just, just small things that you didn't think would be as big of a deal are now the biggest deal. And that'll help elevate you to levels you didn't think you could get to in your training and, and hopefully results come pro day and things like that. And you had talked about, like, this is always the goal. Was it always the goal, or did it take 2,400-plus yards to make you in the back here be like, hey, this could this could be it? <laughs> no, I, I mean, 
I love the game since I was young. My dad introduced that's me awesome. to it. Like, it's about. I'm not gonna say it's the only thing I know, but it's uh, pretty much the only thing I know. Like, I love the game. I love everything you have to put into it to get where you want to be. And thankfully, I'm where I'm at right now. Hell yeah. I'll give you I'll give you a platform here for maybe a little bit of a going away recruiting pitch. How do you feel like the Rock helped you develop to um, again? Still a lot to be ahead for you, but to be in this position to get you into a spot where I feel like I've developed myself, my body, my mind, everything about me to uh, give myself a good shot at a professional look. Yeah, I mean it's it's all through them. Our position coaches, our coordinators, our head coaches, our our. Strength and conditioning coach, I mean, it's at all levels. Dr. Lynn would help talk to us about, uh, like, mental challenges. So, okay. I mean, through them, like, it would start with the head coach. You know, you talk to him, and he would tell you what this is going to be like, and then we go to your position coach, and you learn what you're supposed to do out on the field. And then, you know, the mental aspect comes into it. So I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at without – every single one of the coaches I've had through my journey and, and one of them, all of the players as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a great place to be. Uh, I've never felt like I wasn't supposed to be here or, or anything like that. So, I mean, they played a humongous role, role in this entire thing. You make it to the league now and someone asks, you know, where'd you play ball? Do you just look at him and you go, I played at the rock, man. The rock. That's what I tell him. Slippery rock. You say Slippery Rock, or is it just the Rock? This, I mean, I, I don't. Is it you? Just would you? You know, if someone asks you where you play ball, do you tell them I play at Slippery Rock University? Or tell them I play at the Rock. I say Slippery Rock. Okay. Okay. You, you say the Rock. That's. I mean, I I say the Rock. I don't play at the Rock, but I say the Rock for you. So I'll, I'll hold on to that right. myself. Um, but yeah, touch on I'm, the. I'm <laughs> that's so badass, dude. Uh, touch on talk about the the mental training a little bit there. And someone who, um, in a football team setting, has dealt with uh, some mental training and having an outside someone who's not maybe on that staff internally come in and preach to a group about some of the mental tools that you can use in game and off the field. Those kind of things. How has that benefited you? Because I know for me that was something. I've dealt with multiple knee injuries and having going through those surgeries. I haven't faced as much adversity on the field as I have off of it, but a lot of that translates over and those tactics that we talk about uh, translates to rehab and all the ways you approach life outside of football. So talk about that and what you've gained from those experiences. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a big thing for me. Like I feel like everybody will have a moment in, in their career or in their life where like things are going to get hard. They're not going to be what you expected. And, mm -hmm. and that's where you're at a breaking point where, something great's about to happen. So if you can push through an injury, like you said, or, or classes aren't going well, family's not going well, and you have somebody or you have coaches that'll talk to you and like give you the assurance that like, this is just a hurdle. This isn't, this isn't the end. Like you get over this and there's going to be more to come and the more to come is going to be greater. Oh yeah. And that's, I think that's important too, where you, where you feel like, Maybe you're at a low. Maybe that's as close as you've ever been to reaching a high, right? It's a very right. interesting roller coaster that that athletes and people in general, I think, go through. And uh, doubt is a is a big part of that too. And you talk about the assurances from your coaches and other people in that support system. And uh, I talk about deal, ways you deal with that as someone who has experienced a lot of success with that always comes a little bit of that doubt. Hey, yeah, I'm doing really well right here, but can I make it at the next level? Can I do this to a even higher degree against even better competition? The only thing that you can do is prepare. I mean, there's levels of preparing too. It's yep. not just 
oh, you know what, I stretched and I, and I did this and I'm ready to go the, the day of the game. You know, there's film that comes into that. And there's preaching with the coaches, working and seeing what uh, DBs play, what techniques they play, what coverages they rotate to. So it's a lot of that doubt will leave you when you, you feel like you're prepared. I like it, man. And uh, to finish off our conversation, I am prepared. I'm prepared to see that tweet or uh, Instagram <laughs> post that says you've been picked up by some squad somewhere. Who the <laughs> hell knows where? Um <laughs> I'm sure just getting that call and, and making that thing a reality is going to be a really cool moment for you. Manifest it. It's going to happen, brother. But, uh, Kyle, I really appreciate you hopping on, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. See you, brother. Take care. See ya. All right. We're back. And we're going to go into D2 football, as it's only appropriate. We usually start with, with D2 on these things. But let's talk about Week 0 coming to Division 2 football. And this is... Kind of the tweet here, uh, shout out to our guy Matt over at d2football.com for the quote tweet. But you can see here, the proposal passes, uh, maybe I should click on that one to make it a little bigger for you, hey? Propo- it didn't make it much bigger at all, all right. Proposal passes 89, 80, and 1. I'm assuming the 1 is uh, like an absent vote, like a no vote. I don't know how exactly that works. Um, but 52.66% to 47.34%. So get those contracts for Week 0 signed ASAP. That's from Maverick Compliance, who... Assuming whoever's running that Twitter account is obviously very in tune with all of the new rules and regulations that are coming to the Division II landscape. But there's, you know, the first thing you realize is that's a pretty narrow margin of victory there, 89 to 80. And I, I'm very surprised to talk more about it in a second. I'm very surprised that it was that tight. But Wiki says here, week zero approved. I think that was the general consensus from a lot of coaches and players around the country. Great news for fans of D2 football. And this is it. This is kind of the, the main justification for it right here in this one sentence 12 weeks to play 11 games and more flexibility for scheduling etc that's the biggest thing about this division two gets a week zero we've seen it implemented at the division one level fbs excuse me most prominently and what this does for squads is that now you can incorporate that bye week without taking an opponent off the schedule. We saw Grand Valley this year had a week where they did not, they had a bye week, but then they're playing one less game than everybody else. And the whole, you know, that, that could come back to bite you in the ass. When we talk about the playoff picture and the selection and the committee and everything that goes into deciding playoff teams for division two football, if you don't play a week, that's one less opponent you could pick up a win against. And we've seen the margin, the difference in the margin here of what teams are making into this Division Two playoff. When you have a 2018 playoff, seven teams from the four regions, that bye week could very well be the difference between you getting in and you watching the game on your sofa. So this is big. It allows teams to get that rest. Uh, it approaches it in a little bit more of a professional aspect. When you think about the NFL, they get the two buys now, I do believe, with the 17-week season. That sounds right. I don't have anyone here to fact-check me. I don't feel like Googling it, so y'all can check that out. But uh, I think it's big. I think it's really big. What is uh, slightly less big is the confusing ass backwards way that the NCAA words it. Proposal 2024-1. Pass, they say. And does that mean this was the first proposal uh, out of all the proposals presented? That would be kind of cool, actually. But you can read it for yourselves right here. If you're listening, I'll read it to you. In a proposal 2024-1 passed, it says, In football, to specify that a member institution shall not participate in its first contest with outside competition in the championship segment before one week prior to the Thursday preceding September 6th. Holy shit. I, can you tell? I just... 
I just ran out of breath because that is the longest sentence I have ever witnessed in my entire life. I'll read it one more time, and I'm going to hold my breath here. In football, to specify that a member institution shall not participate in its first contest with outside competition in the championship segment before one week prior to the Thursday preceding September 6th. So it says before one week prior, right? So you can play a game six days prior to September 6th. Hence, your weeks, those would be your week zero matchups, I believe. Why does the NCAA not write this in layman's terms? Don't know. Don't know. How about our guy here, though? Noah, in the in the reply, first reply, proposal to get rid of Super Regions for the football playoffs to encourage more competitive games for the championship. You know what, Noah? Watch this. Live on the pod, go down there, make that heart red. Thank you, Noah. We need more guys like Noah. Um, But back to week zero. This is important because now you look at the fact that the beginning of the season in D2 and D3 football this last year, I haven't been alive that long, but since I've been alive, this has been some of the most exciting the lower levels of football have been in the first three weeks that I can remember. And, you know, why does that happen, Kobe? It happens because you get very interesting matchups, and you get teams that don't typically play each other that are both playing at a very high level, high caliber, and the more opportunities we have for that, I am all 100% in for that. We've already seen a couple really good ones come out. I know one just the other day, uh, UTPB is going to play CSU Pueblo next year in their opener for week one. And, like, that's a great contest. Uh, one of the, you could say the top top two, top three team in the RMAC versus one of the best in the Lone Star, the best. They won the Lone Star Conference. Unless you make the argument, obviously, Central Washington made a run, but is what it is. Um, you know, two qu- top quality teams is what I'm trying to make the point. And so now all that this week zero does is make more opportunities for us to have some really exciting early football. I mean, you think about, Week one this year, talk about that Grand Valley Mines game. Like, that set the bar so unrealistically high for the season. It was a great game. So I'm all for this. I think it's I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. What I'm not excited about is the NCAA still talking like we are wearing white wigs and writing the Declaration of Independence. Otherwise, I've got one more NCAA piece for you here. So get ready to read this, read this one. This is proposal 2024-5, and it was opposed. This one has to deal with the automatic bids into the playoffs for Division Two. Now, most of you are probably familiar. Many of you maybe not. So Division Three, if you win your conference, you are guaranteed a spot in the national playoffs. Division Two, not so much. There's only 28 teams, seven from the four different super regions. None of that has to do technically with winning your conference, although that is part of the criteria, similar to like the FBS, unless your name's Florida State. Uh, but this was the proposal, and it was proposed. It says here, once again, get ready, get your ink and quill out for this one. In football, to amend the earned access legislation to specify that all football sponsoring conferences shall be represented in the bracket. That's kind of all you need to know. Further, to specify that the highest-ranked team in a football sponsoring conference that is not already represented in the bracket shall be included. So, not only shall all conferences they don't have to all be represented, saying the best team for every conference does not have to make the playoffs. But if a team below in the conference, you know, the second place team in the conference, uh, for whatever reason, they're not getting in either. I don't know if the second half of that is necessarily needed, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. But yeah, I, I'm 100% with this one. I would have loved to seen. I have to look it up. 
Uh, I would have loved to have seen the vote on this one, like how many people were for and against this. But again, personally, very glad this was opposed. Division two football, the playoff is better. The Super Region scheme, don't even get me started on it. Go back, watch our other video about why the D2 playoff system sucks and gets the title of it, actually. So go ahead and search that one up. But, you know, Super Regions be gone. This is good. This is good for football. We've seen it, Division three. We've seen it ruin a lot of Division three hopes because there are very quality Division three teams that are one team back in their conference. And let's be face it, there's a lot of shitty Division three conferences with some teams that get into the playoff that really don't have any business in that son of a bitch. So I love this. I love this for D2 football. Uh, finally, on the D2 side of things, we're going to look at a way too early Power 10, if you will, from Wayne Cavati here, and uh, some surprising ones on, on this list. And obviously, this is looking forward to next season, so taking into account how many people are graduating, what kind of new coach situations, what other external factors. Um, I didn't sit down with Wayne and have this conversation. I'd actually love to get him on the show here soon and talk to him about it, but nonetheless, here you are. Harding, the reigning defending national champions, number one. Pittsburgh State, number two. You got Lenore Ryan, Ferris State, Valdosta, back up in the national Premier top five after the one-year hi hiatus from the playoffs. Excuse me, Tremaine Jackson and company down there doing a lot of good things. Minnesota State Mankato. Central Washington, who got uh, a lot of eyes on them during their playoff run. They bring back a lot. Kutztown, Slippery Rock, both there. Colorado School of Mines at number nine. And when you lose a Harlan Hill winner, that's tough. Tough to get that back. When you lose a guy like Max McLeod, tough. Tough to get that back. Uh, the Gene Upshaw Award winner. Gone, I believe. Some really talented running backs. Some pieces on the defensive front. Like, they lose a lot. And for them to be still in this number nine, I think, speaks a lot of uh, the value of their character and their culture, I think, is the best word about that mind squad. We know they're going to reload. Do they have another Johnny football sitting on the bench? Highly unlikely. But that team will be very solid. They'll be back, no doubt about it. Harding is, is very interesting to me. And at number one, they dominated everyone this year. And... Yeah, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, great games against Grand Valley, against Central Missouri, you know what I mean. But they were dominant this year. Let's just say that. The thing about Harding for me is that a lot of these teams now, because Harding will be in the playoffs next year. Uh, and before we get maybe get to that, what's a team that you don't see on here? Grand Valley. That's a very interesting one. But when you look at the graduating class for the Lakers, I can totally understand why Wayne may be doesn't believe they'll be there, at least yet. Obviously, there's a lot of things that can happen between January 15th and September 6th or whenever we start this damn thing off, right? But when you look, look at what the look, when you look at what the Lakers uh, are losing this year, you talk about cornerstones of your program, guys like Cade Peterson, Abe Swanson, you know, those kind of guys that have made some really big offensive and defensive contributions, Christian McCarroll, uh, Garrett, I'm blanking on the, the two offensive linemen on that left side that have just held that down, it seems like, forever. Guys like Tariq Reed out of the backfield. And, and you look at some of these guys that they're losing, and it yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that, one, that they're losing all these guys, but two, that Grand Valley is going to be back. Like, they certainly will. They're certainly going to still uh, have a great chance to win the GLIAC. Them and Ferris State will both rebound. They, we know they'll both rebuild. And Grand Valley and Ferris State both do a very good job of getting in the portal. So that's why I mean when I say a lot of things can change from now until that September, that week one, week zero, whatever it is. Um, but talking about Harding, back to my little tangent that I was going on, the one thing I think that might be critical for them is now, not to say that, 
Grand Valley and uh, Central Missouri had never played them before, which actually they might have never. It might have been their first meeting. But now you talk about a Harding team that is very much more so on the national radar. When you get into the playoffs against teams like maybe a Pittsburgh State, like maybe a University of Central Missouri, or which I believe, by the way, Zach Zabrowski, Harlan Hillard are coming back to play for the Mules. That's big time. Um, a team like Grand Valley, Ferris State. These are teams now that a lot of them have played you. And if they haven't, they have a lot of really good film on teams that have played you, and they're going to structure their defense, I would assume, a lot better. Now, uh, Grand Valley, their defense played out of their minds. So that doesn't that's not really a problem. Their offense was, was lackluster in that one. But I think when you're Harding and you have that kind of predictability, that's the knock for everyone in the flexible and the triple option, right? You have the predictability. You know what's coming. The thing about Harding is you can know exactly what's coming. You can't stop that bitch. So take everything I just said with like 40 grains of salt. But I do think that'll play a little bit of a factor that some of these teams get a little bit more experience against that Harding offense and that flex bone. Um, it will be interesting. They do lose a couple pieces defensively, I think, big time on that defensive front. Their defensive line for Harding was monstrous. And if they lose a couple of those guys, that certainly uh, will make a change. But other than that, man, Pittsburgh State, I'm certainly very surprised to see them at number two. They just lost a couple of their really big contributors. Obviously, losing Garrison, the tight end. He's going to go declare for the draft. Colby Katzis, I do believe, transferring following their old head coach to Northern Arizona. A couple other big-time playmakers they'll be losing. Um, our guy, Trace Jeffries. Like, like really big names over there that have been, again, cornerstone uh, pieces for that kind of program. When you lose a really good a winning head coach like that, and you're bringing in a head coach who has been removed from football for a full calendar year, Number two might be a little high, Wayne. Let's get on here. Let's chat about it. But I don't know how I feel about number two there for the Gorillas. Lenore Ryan, certainly see it. Ferris State, you know they're going to be back. Same with Valdosta. Seem to have a lot of things going for them. Sammy Edwards and company. Mankato looks really good. Young quarterback over there, too. So that's a lot to be excited about. Central Washington, you're bringing back the best defensive player in the country in Tanner Volk. Kutztown's defense brings back a lot of really key pieces. Also, a great young quarterback over there in Judd Novak, who seemed to be finding his swagger a little bit in the last couple weeks of the season. I talked about mines. Slippery Rock. Oh, man, my English is losing it today. Slippery Rock. They're a little bit of a question mark for me. They had a couple big-time grad transfers that came in this year, guys like Kyle Kudla at the linebacker position. Talk about guys like Kyle Sheets, who we just talked to, that's going to be out of there. Uh, Braden Long, the QB, and um, you know Cohen, the wide receiver, those that duo is out of there. And I don't know. What I do know is Slippery Rock's going to be a damn good football team, so I can respect them being in this list. But it's going to be very interesting. I think this D2 football year could have a lot of parity. I'm here for it. Let's move over to D3 to finish things off here. We have a quick note on the playoffs at D3, and a lot of people have thrown this around. D3football.com has been uh, the spur of a lot of it, also with our friends over that uh, inside uh, in the D3 football huddle. Uh, Frank and uh, James over there. But here's the tweet from here from D3football.com. It says, what might a 40-team bracket look like in the Division Three football playoffs? Here's how it would have mocked up this past season. With eight more teams and first-round buys. I think this is huge. We talk about the automatic bids and the, the the cons of that. D3 has been plagued by that for years. And you have these very quality football teams that are left out of the playoffs because I believe there were only, what, four at-large bids in this year's playoffs? So, go ahead. Click on it. Pull up the 40-team bracket. And here you are. Let's see if I can't make that bigger. There we go. There you are. There's your your bracket. And maybe we'll focus on um can I do a little deal here? Yeah. 
Cool, 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 cool. So now you're seeing a couple names that uh, obviously were not featured. Oh, no. Oh, no. There we go. Uh, in this year's playoffs. And at the top, you'll see a team like lacrosse that gets a bye, which is a, obviously a big, big-time factor for them. Can I? How do I do that? Yep. Bam. Bam. There we go. Oh, I'm so smart. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing around. But uh, here we go. So here we go. Squad right here, St. John's. You can't see it's kind of cut off my screen right there. Take my word for it. Top left of the screen. St. John's is a great example of a team that had a really good season, lost some really tough games against really good competition, and they were out at 8-2. and two. They they were out, which is really tough. They are one of the first teams out left out of the playoffs. Um, they would end up being in that first-round matchup, which is a big-time, I think, addition to the playoffs. A lot of these other teams in this uh first region here you saw a lot of them Barry another squad that would have uh snuck in there at nine and one two which is really respectable come down here now we're looking at Wheaton right there who again nine and one plays a really great schedule hope a team out of the MIAA one of their losses was to Alma I blanking on the what the other loss was um and that was uh that was a team that did not end up making it. Linfield, I do believe as well, did not make it. And you see this team like here, like Chapman, 6-3, and three, playing against the 8-1 Linfield. I'm taking Linfield any day there. Uh, over here on the other side of the graphic, you know, you see some of these teams here. Uh, Salve Regina and looks like, yeah, Muhlenberg, Christopher Newport there. Carnegie Mellon. I don't believe they made the dance because that was Grove City came out of the President's Conference. So Carnegie Mellon was one that got snubbed as well. And uh, it's just very interesting for me to look to look at all of that uh, and see how this kind of would play out. And it goes back to the, the automatic bid conversation. But let me know. Throw a comment on the video or wherever you're watching, listening to this. Uh, let me know what you think about that. 40 teams is a lot. And the only, I think, downside to maybe a larger playoff in that instance is that you know, you play an extra week of games, so now you're pushing back the finish of the season and you're making these teams play way more football. And, and that can be tough, but kind of a weak argument for against it by, by all means. Let's get into something fun, though. The Division Three school leading the charge in NIL, the top school in the country according to D3 Direct, and it is Pacific Lutheran. Kind of cool. Over $13,000 in total D3 athlete learnings here. And uh, again, a shout out to D3 Direct for putting this together. And uh, you can see here PLU, uh, Go Lutes. They established their Lootville Marketplace on Open Doors back in August 2022. It was the first NIL dedicated marketplace in Division Three. So a trailblazing kind of movement here. And obviously the NIL name, image, and likeness thing has been something that Obviously, makes a big impact at FBS level. FCS, you see a lot of it. Division two, man, a little bit of trickle down, but Division three, man, it, it, the conception is that people just aren't getting involved. Over thirteen thousand dollars from athletes at one school—that's pretty good to me. This is a school that I'd never heard about, and there are athletes uh, bringing in some cash here. So let's talk a little bit about it. It's, I think it's just a really sweet thing that they're able to do this over there. So. We go over to talk about, they have a, a page dedicated to name, image, and likeness on the PLU Athletics website. And it says here that, uh, 
uh, in October of 2021, actually, it says that Pacific Lutheran University became the second NCAA Division III institution on the, and the first on the West Coast to partner with Open Doors, take advantage of the company's suite of services, empowering PL, PLU excuse me, student-athletes to understand, build, and protect their brands with industry-leading education and marketing resources. So... The big thing about this is that PLU is utilizing the same platform used by student-athletes from Power 5 programs in the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, uh, the former Pac-12, rest in peace, and on the SEC. Open Doors is a very big deal. It, it kind of legitimizes all of the contact that these student-athletes have with different brands or different uh, representatives and, and those kind of things, which is really sweet. And they have a lot of great information on their website you can certainly check out. But I was going to pull up the actual open door site so I can show you and kind of have a look at it. Uh, Loopville Marketplace has their own page on open door. So I think it's really cool. And so you can see on the actual page here, they show a lot of the athletes and you can see the variety in sports um, from a lot of these guys. Here's a football guy right here, the man, Gavin Hawley. Um, but you go through and you could click on any of these profiles and uh, what you will see. So if I click on Michael's here, you can see it's got a little biography, affiliations, uh, location, background, all kinds of random information. But then um, oh, you can see also his followers if you're like a business and you want to see what your reach is going to be. Then on the right side here, you can see things like shout out, a post, an appearance, and an in-person thing, autographs. Obviously, some of the more in-person things certainly won't go more so to the D3 athletes unless it is a local business that wants people to to show up to things. But a lot of these these quick like social posts and shout outs on different social media platforms, like those are very quick, easy ways for athletes to earn money if they do have you know if they have accumulated a large following on things like Twitter, X, Instagram, TikTok, those kind of things. So very cool that they have their own page on the open doors uh website or a kind of platform here i think it's really neat like the fact that you can just scroll through say you're a business and wherever the hell pacific lutheran is somewhere on the west coast california i do believe uh say you're a business in that area and, and you need to get out to this kind of demographic and what's the best way to do that by having them market for you you pay a little bit of money you come on here you scroll through and you find some lucky guy or gal that's you know like yeah you know what, this is the one that I want talking about my hot dog stand or my trading card company, whatever the hell it is. And, and you get on here and you find them and you throw them 10, 15 bucks or maybe sometimes if you got more followers, a lot more than that, maybe you throw them 50 or 100 and they put out a post advocating for your business, your services, whatever. And it's just a really cool opportunity for all these athletes to get their cut and get a share of this. So shout out to Pacific Lutheran, PLU, Go Lutes. Uh, I think that was really cool. It's the first time I learned of your school. I certainly will be following now. They got a football squad out there. I'm with it. I'm with it, Lutz. Um, finally, though, we're going to close the episode off on this. And uh, the news here is that it's reported that another Division Three football conference will be signing a deal with Flow Sports. And that's a little bit of controversy here. And we'll talk about why, right? So right here is the tweet from Bob Quillman, I believe. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly, Bob. Uh, sources at the convention tell me Flow Sports has signed a second D3 conference deal similar to the Landmark, which is the only conference in Division Three that currently uh, is sponsored or does the live streaming through Flow Sports, and two, is aggressively pursuing several other leagues. And the question he poses here I think is a good one. In an era of D3 schools needing new revenue streams, I believe this is where we are heading, for better or worse, right? Division Three conferences 
Obviously, they need more money. Smaller schools, typically, typically smaller schools, there are exceptions. They need new revenue streams like he talks about. You're not generating a lot of revenue from, from many different sports at this level, so you're going to try and get as much out of football as possible. That's where Flow Sports coming in can be a very lucrative offer because that contract will pay you outright. Flow Sports will contribute money to those member institutions. But <clears throat> I think what's important about the argument is the quote tweet that my man Bob did to himself. My take, which, by the way, Bob, very classy ex-Twitter etiquette, to take your take and put it separate from the official post. This is quality stuff right here. He says, my take. At the D3 level, building a brand is critical. No one, ESPN, CBS, etc., does that for us. Best way to build it is by allowing and encouraging people to watch. Look at all the great stuff happening today because we all watch, share, and discuss. The pay model is not right for Division Three. Bob, I already liked your tweet. If I could double like it, I would. I'm with you. I 100%. I, I'm exactly with you. We talked a lot about this year, the paywalls for Division Two and one Division Three game, <clears throat> Mount Union. That was atrocious. It, it's not right. To me, it's not right. And I, I think for the exact reason slash reasons that you talk about, the best way you're going to get more people engaged into Division Two and Division Three football is by having them just watch and giving them the ease and the availability to watch. What it doesn't mean, Division 2, is by partnering with Huddle and Warner Brothers to put all the games behind a paywall. Now, unless you're watching your brother, your uh, nephew, cousin, family friend, for the most part, or you're like me and you're a sicko that just watches all kinds of football, unless you're one of those diehards, you're not buying that. You're not paying to watch that football. So what you're doing, the paywall is, is, is exactly that. It is a paywall. It is stopping people from watching your product and therefore stopping people from getting into Division Three football. There's a lot of great football at these lower levels, and and that's the reason I have a show like this is to shed light on it and, and to give these guys a spotlight they deserve. The NCAA, and, and I shouldn't say the NCAA, but yes, the NCAA and certain conferences are kind of doing it backwards. And Flow Sports has a lot of really good stuff. Don't, do not give me like, uh, Flow Sports, a lot of great people over there do, they do great work on social and other things, but they don't do a lot for the lower levels, right? The D3 and some of the D2 conferences, they just, it's hard to, it's hard to be that spread out. It's very difficult. So, for here, I would 100% agree. I don't think the pay model is right for Division Three football. I think you look at the playoffs this year and the fact that some of the best football was played in the late playoffs, man. Like, you want people to be watching those games. What you don't want is Alma to have a fourth quarter comeback of the year and nobody can watch it because they're not paying to watch Alma Mount Union. It's absurd. Mount Union be better. That was fucking ridiculous. Uh, but this is, I just 100% agree with this. I, I really do. And that's kind of my my leaving point here for you guys. <clears throat> a little bit longer episode than I anticipated. I got on my soapbox a little bit. But let me know what you think on some of these other issues uh, in the comments or wherever. Talk about the D3 playoffs, the D2 playoffs, the automatic bids, uh, the week zero. Talk about the... NIL deals, the flow sports deals. Let me know your opinions. I'm always curious to hear what other people have to say. I usually interact with most of you that reply because I genuinely appreciate it. I also genuinely appreciate you making it this far. Thank you very much. This has been uh, D1 Rejects, Kobe Manzo. A lot of great stuff coming in 2024, and I'm happy that all of you will be a part of it.